0: Hi, my name is Roshane Ali, and you're listening to the Truth Lies in Healthcare podcast, a storytelling, conversational podcast about healthcare disparities in our community. If you like what you hear, be sure to click subscribe. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. So today I have with me, Nicole Parnell, who's a third semester nursing student here at UTMB. Um, hey, Nicole. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, we <laughs> just finished Thanksgiving break. And so did you have a good break? I really did.
1: Thanksgiving is my favorite, like going house to house to get uh, dishes. is just, that's, that's really why I love Thanksgiving, honestly. The food is delicious.
0: Um, that's what I was telling all my family members. I was like, it's 20% about family and 80% about (laughs) the food. (laughs) Exactly. I probably like, um, spend an
1: average of 15 minutes at my family member's house. Like I just, cause I have family all around Houston. So I kind of bounce house to house and collect as many plates as possible.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, (laughs) I feel like for my family, there are just so many people in my family, and we all have conflicting opinions. And so Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. always starts with a huge fight, and then we eat. Wow, really? And then we're all in a good mood and then there's always like a baking competition too. It's just a lot of emotions.
1: (laughs) Oh, it sounds fun. (laughs) That sounds like I need your own (laughs) show or something.
0: (laughs) Actually, so I'm one of five sisters and people always are like, when are the Kardashians uh, coming to have their show? (laughs) Not the
1: Kardashians.
0: I know better than that, right? Um, But yeah, people are always joking. (laughs) <laughs> so just straight five sisters, no brothers no nothing no brothers at all my dad sometimes oh, wow. has to leave the house because he's like I need testosterone <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just need
1: something too much estrogen yeah I understand that right. that's real funny I'm the only child so yeah I just they just they just ask a million and two questions about me and then I, I'm like okay see you next year <laughs> like, oh that's gosh, I love
0: that A little Thanksgiving interrogation.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you'll spend next Thanksgiving with my family since there are already too many people. We might as well have more. And it's like entertaining. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Please. I need to to see the show. I really do for myself. Front row seat.
0: Okay, front row seat reserved for Nicole today. Um, Well, I'm going to kind of dip in into how we met. So... I actually met you through an interprofessional program, um, yes. and mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I really don't have any other nursing friends. Like, I,
1: I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't yeah, know no, who- I, I think, well, I guess for me, I started nursing school, like, in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, my first semester was online, so I don't have a lot of friends, even though we're back like, in, on campus, I just, I don't know. I probably have two friends, nursing friends, max, because it's kind of, like, weird. We started online. Now I see these people in real life. It's weird, but, I girl, I understand. I understand Um, the medical field is just focus on your work and go to sleep when you can. So... <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) If if friends are not the priority, but they're nice to have. They're nice to have in a medical profession.
0: That's actually so interesting that you say that because I also have really struggled to maintain friends or like have friends in medical school. And I I do feel like COVID really made things horrible. (laughs) Because it was just so like now they don't want people in groups together. Everybody has to be spread out. And in my second year, yeah, everything was online. And it was just like, I never saw people. I had no reason to see people except for on a one inch screen on Zoom. So
1: Right. And they changed the rules, at least at our school. They changed the rules like every week. So interaction is just real awkward. Like, especially testing or, like, we go to lab. And honestly, for me, I feel like I only see nursing students because we kind of stand out on campus because we have to wear those bright orange little scrubs that kind of low-key look like jail suits. (laughs) And so everybody knows, oh, that's a nursing student right there. (laughs) Like, I rarely, like, I wouldn't know the difference from like a PT student or a med student. Cause I mean, I don't know. That I really don't so know the colors funny. or anything. Yeah. There is no
0: coordination. <laughs> Trust me, sis, there is no coordination. And no, yeah, I know it's the jail for... suits. I'm dummy familiar with <laughs> the jail suits on campus, but that's what I'm saying. Like I know who are the nurses, but I don't know any. I also don't know any people really outside of my profession. I've met a couple of PA students this year for the first time Mm -hmm. but it's really i swear to god like it was just through this interprofessional program that i was like oh hey nursing student who i will work with for the rest of my life like nice right right
1: no it's if it makes you feel better like you're the only med student (laughs) that i know because it makes it feel special (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're the only one in my life like (laughs) um. Yeah, I don't know. With the with the profession, uh, well, or UTMB in general, I don't think they kind of have our schedules correlate. Cause I want to say like there was one semester. I don't know if it was like my first or second that the nursing students were like the only ones on campus, and the rest of y'all kind of was let out for break or something. I don't know if it was spring break, Christmas break. I don't know what it was, but like nursing students were the only ones on campus. So I think the way our, I don't want to say degree plan, but just scheduling Mm -hmm. in general in our program is just different. So I don't think they intend for us to be besties (laughs) while we're here. I don't know. They're separating
0: us. They want us to be enemies. I don't like it.
1: (laughs) And it's weird, right? Because they want us to work together, but we have like no interaction. Like I feel like they should have had, well, they, I know they do have a cafe, but like just a cafeteria for students that go to the school. Like the cafeteria that Mm. I know of is in the hospital and you have like patients, Family, the uh family of the patients, like actual people that work there. So it's not like, hey, I've seen you around. Like I, I probably don't see anyone twice. <laughs> That's not a nurse or student in my cohort. Like I don't see anybody twice.
0: I know, and like you have to be careful in the cafeteria before you talk smack. I'm just kidding. I'm the only one out here being like trying to talk smack. No, I don't. I don't talk bad, but you know, you can't like. You gotta be careful because there are like patient families, patients. Yes, no. Faculty. I'm I'm
1: kinda I'm in the same boat. Like I really enjoy the mask because <laughs> the way the facial expressions that I make <laughs> under the mask when I hear certain things or just see certain things, I'm like, you can't be serious. You can't be serious, but I'm in the same boat as you. I understand the cafeteria. Or the elevator is not the place to talk to smack. <laughs> it's
0: not, not the, place. the place. And I'm with you on the mask. I'm like, hey, guys, I'd like to stay hiding after this whole COVID thing is just, over.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to just, you know, keep it fashionably. Just stay make hide it into in. the uniform. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Well, you're in medical school, so I know you don't. Well, I don't know if they make y'all do this. But in our clinicals as a nurse, you know, we see all types of things like one thing they tell they like other veteran nurses have told me they were like hey like you're going to get used to the smell of poop like that's just a thing and I'm like okay I want to say it's going on almost a year and I still kind (laughs) of slightly gag (laughs) when I hear or like hear somebody passing gas or even smell poop it's just horrible and I think the mask is the only reason why I still I'm still in nursing school (laughs) that is the mask yeah the mask helped me they helped me so much they they kind of push away the smell that's only if you double mask if you don't double mask the smell is going to suffocate you in uh in the mask like it's gonna go under the mask and just sit there in your face
0: <laughs> I'm trying and to stop yeah my you, laugh.
1: <laughs> yeah no no I try no it's just sometimes you just have to take a five minute break and get yourself together before you go in the patient's room because you never
0: know you know what Nicole like I had this one friend who was like, you know what? Everybody says their school is hard, but med schools have it so hard. Like ours is the hardest, blah, blah, blah. And I, in my brain, I was like, dude, we like never have to deal with poop. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's like, that is so hard. Yeah. I, was like, I, don't, I don't know how the nurses do it, man.
1: Yeah, no, nursing is hard. Obviously, like the content and I want to say like, physically like you literally have to be hercules (laughs) superwoman to be a nurse because it's not just knowing your stuff you have to be able to respond fast and know your stuff you Mm -hmm. have to be able to like um invent new little techniques you know to care for a patient because each patient is different like one technique may you know work for one patient And it may not work for another patient. Like I have seen nurses literally make the craziest things out of like literally nothing. Like example would be patients can't get in a shower with IVs. And if you um, have a patient like with like five IVs and but they're able to get in the shower and they really want to get in the shower. You can't say, hey, no, even though you've been sitting in this dirty bed for two weeks, you have IVs. You can't take a shower. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of like, you know, just utilize anything around us. And I've seen nurses cut bags and tape them onto the patient's arm so they're able to take a bath. And they don't teach you that in nursing school. They don't teach you... Hey, like when a person needs to shower, you do A, B, and C. Like mm-hmm. you, as a nurse, you have to be creative. You have to be flexible. You encounter people that may weigh five pounds or 500 pounds. Like oh my gosh. you have to care for them. And when it's time to move them, regardless if you hit the gym or not, <laughs> you have to move them. So it's just, it's a lot for nurses. It's not just books people just think oh if you know your stuff you're good to go like it's not it you have to do a little bit more above and beyond and don't get me wrong like doctors do a lot they have to because I know nurses will call you all night all day <laughs> if we need like to medication <laughs> or something or an order for something and you have to figure it out on the spot but I would say like nothing can trump the poop i'm so sorry no (laughs) nothing can trump the poop
0: nothing can
1: (laughs) nothing can trump the poop because like everybody's different so (laughs) all this poop you is a variety of (laughs) poop and i just don't even want to get into it okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love i love how how honest I love how honest you are, because you're right. There is, I mean, I think, especially with the COVID pandemic, people have been appreciative and um, really grateful for, I think people really have been appreciative and grateful for what the nurses have been doing in this pandemic, you know, and the doctors as well. But, I mean, I agree that I, I feel like as far as respect goes, people know that both like all people in the medical field are working really hard, but I, I do find I really like what you said about how innovative and creative the nurses have to be because that's just something that I think is so underrated that you like have to, every single patient is different and you have to work with that. All of their poops are different and you have to work <laughs> with that. and You so... have to
1: work with it, <laughs> smell it, embrace it because it's going to be there.
0: <laughs> it's going to be there. That's so funny. Yeah. And so I don't know. Like I, I I have always had this admiration for nurses because I, I do find it so hard by how flexible you have to be. I think that's one yes. thing about obviously speaking on behalf of medical students. I'm not a doctor yet, but um But we're speaking, manifesting
1: it. But, but yes. we're
0: manifesting, we're manifesting. Okay, <laughs> but on behalf of medical students, maybe manifesting doctors. I do think there's a, there is some flexibility, but there is this like deep attachment to routine and methodical approach and, you know, like algorithm and just like a deep, deep, deep sense of, uh, I don't want to use the word rigidity, but it is the antithesis of flexibility. I, I just do feel like even when thinking about the medical education and medical approaches, it, it seems like it can be hard for things or at least for attitudes to change. You know, like when mm-hmm. you, when you think about stereotypes in the medical field, like especially among physicians, I'm like, Oh, there, there are all these like attitudes or things that have always been this way. So they are this way that are kind of hard to change. And so, I don't know. I, I do like how you're talking about this, um, need to be really really flexible and um, embrace the change and kind of like ride with the change and I, I think that's really awesome um, I feel like for me anytime I have to change my password I just like I'm over it <laughs> maybe a me problem but
1: uh, I, I'm just I, over I, it okay yeah.
0: I like what you're saying about um, this idea of like having to embrace these like very very human human problems right like shower a bunch of ivs and uh different liquids from people's bodies like these are yeah you you for sure
1: have to kind of you know take your time and be understanding because like these patients are very exposed you know um i can say personally i've seen just nurses in their routine of doing things and it's hard to kind of reel yourself back in like, hey, even though this is my routine, this patient may have not been to the hospital before and they may not understand why we have to do certain things. Like example, if a patient comes in, right, and it's like a team of us, a team of us coming in, doctors, PT you know, respiratory therapists, just nurses, and we have this patient with no gown on, you know, sometimes you have to reel yourself in like, hey, this is a human. This is not like a prop Mm -hmm. mannequin we've, you know, practiced on in the medical lab. We have to kind of like be a little bit understanding of this person, what may be going through their head, what do they need to feel comfortable And even though that may mean I have to get uncomfortable, I mean, the patient is a priority. And one thing I tell myself every time I leave the um, hospital or if I'm even having a bad day, I tell myself like, hey, at the end of my 12 hours, I get to go home. You know, Mm -hmm. these patients don't get to go home. So while I'm on the clock, I'm going to try my best to you know, cater to these patients' needs and what will uh, make them feel comfortable or make their recovery process faster so they can get home to their families.
0: Oh, I really, I really liked what you had to say, particularly about how sometimes it is really uncomfortable for the provider or the caretaker. Like, it, it is really sometimes it can be a burden sometimes it can be just like overall unpleasant but that's the sacrifice that you take and I think a lot of people sometimes like obviously when when going into these fields you know that it will you you I guess the cliche thing is like oh I go I went into this field because I like to help people but to what Mm -hmm. degree are you then being uncomfortable what if how, how are you going to help people while sacrificing your time, your energy, your effort? Um, and I guess just for the sake of someone who's in a worse position than you are, like, uh, obviously the basis of empathy, but um, I don't know, like, like you said, sometimes I think in the midst of routine, we do forget to just reevaluate the situation and do that perspective taking that you did so well, just a second ago of like, wait, I... I get to go home. And yes, I worked for 12 hours. But ultimately, I don't know, like you get to go home. Yeah, this kind of does make me want to ask you a little bit. um, And this is maybe going on a bit of a tangent. But like, um, how are you able to balance burnout? um, While also doing the good Uh, perspective? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Lovely topic. (laughs) Lovely topic. Because I think I get burnt out so much. Um, How do I handle burnout? Um, I for sure have to reevaluate myself. You know, you have to kind of remind yourself, why am I doing this? You know, am I passionate about doing this? You know, Um, because I've seen it for myself. I've heard it that some people do join the medical field uh, for the books like they see how much doctors get paid or nurses Mm -hmm. get paid and they just jump into it but they don't understand like the medical field is just very harsh on the medical professionals because it takes a lot it's not just oh I'm a clock in and if somebody is dying I'm a act it's more of like prevention you kind of have to predict what's next before it happens is, it's a lot that goes into the medical profession. So um, another thing I do to help myself get through it, um, I do the things that I'm also passionate about, like, like, you can't give all of yourself to the field. Even though that's what some may say, they may say, hey, like you got to give it your all. You give it your all when you're there, but you can't, you can't give all of yourself to the profession. I mean that by like, whatever happens at work, do not bring it home. Whatever happens at home, do not bring it to work. You have to make those things separate, you know, whatever I'm at home, when I'm at home, I'm very passionate about my arts and crafts, talking to my family, watching the little anime with my mom. You know, when I'm at work, I'm very passionate of making people feel comfortable, you know, um, helping people communicate with their family. Because like I said, you never know what can happen. That might be their last day. You, wh- Whatever it takes for the patient to be, feel comfortable and for me, to keep my passion, I do it. You know, um, burnout mm-hmm. does happen. You have to kind of realize that it's normal. It's going, you know, don't feel like you're not going to be an adequate nurse, doctor, PT, whatever the case may be. But you have to, you kind of, like I said in the beginning, reevaluate why you're doing this. Are you passionate about it? You know, and just remind yourself I I would just say reminding yourself that this is what I want to do this is why why I do it you know that's how that's at least how I handle my burnout
0: I that's so interesting because um I liked how you brought up how people are often here for the wrong reasons (laughs) like for me I, I I always joke with my friends when you know like we're just talking about people being here for the wrong reasons. I, I always imagine like the bachelor or the bachelorette when they just are like, I don't know if you watch that, but they'll always be like, you're not here for the right reasons to find. love." Yeah, no, I, so yeah, no, <laughs> I, we always joke. We're like, that person is not here for the right reasons. They need to pack their bags and go home and
1: get without get a going, rose. yes. Yeah.
0: Without a row. So, um, no, I, I really liked how you said that. One thing that I've been really working on this year is having hobbies. I hate to Mm -hmm. say it, but when people ask, like, what are your hobbies? Like, there are, like, some cliche responses. But to what degree do people actually, like, treat those things as their hobbies? People are like, oh, I like reading, writing, hiking, you know playing with my pets (laughs) and I'm like watching tv I'm like are you doing those things are they fulfilling to your life are they like I don't know I just really want to be someone who's true to their hobbies so one of yeah and you should yeah (laughs) but yeah this other point point that you brought up about like reevaluating, like why are you here um it kind of made me want to ask you a little bit about like what brought you to nursing in particular?
1: Well, um, for the what kind of all started off with my mom. My mm-hmm. mom actually works at a hospital. She's not like a medical professional. She's more on like the desk side of things, but just her having that foot in the door kind of exposed me to seeing nurses, seeing doctors, and getting familiar what they do and Hearing their passions, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's so great. But so I got firsthand experience um, in the hospital at the age of nine because I actually had a eye injury that put me in the hospital, and I was actually at Texas Children'. And it, I would say it was a very like severe injury that kind of kept me in a coma for about maybe two days. Oh, um, and I had to get about I had to get like reconstructive surgery on my eye that's how severe it was um yeah. but what kind of stayed with me in these well I'm 24 so that happened when I was nine what kind of stuck with me for all these years was I was in the hospital I couldn't tell you for how long because the nurses, made me so comfortable as a child in a new place you know even though I was nine Mm. I was still a child like and I'm in a new place like um at the time my face was kind of disfigured because of my eye injury like my eye kind of I want to say it got so swollen it was like the size of maybe a tennis ball like the whole yeah it was it was bad and um The nurses, I remember, just made me feel so comfortable. They made me feel like, and I tell it, like, any essay I write about it or any conversation I uh, talk about it, I'll tell the other person or the, you know, write on my essay, and I'll say, like, it really felt like I was at um, not a daycare, but like a summer camp. That's how I felt Mm. while I was in the hospital because those – nurses you know catered to my needs they knew what i what i what needed to be done for me to stay in a a certain mental state as a child as a injured child they didn't know what was next you know i don't know like i say severe I really don't know, like, my status at the time. Maybe I had a poor prognosis or a high prognosis. Those nurses never kind of discriminated against me for, Mm -hmm. you know, certain factors such as that. And that kind of inspired me. I'm like, wow, like, these people made me feel so good. And I kind of want to do the same. So, you know, um, as I grew up, I kind of did certain things to make other people feel good. You know, like I'm not mm-hmm. one of those cliche people like I was rescuing puppies from drowning. You're like <laughs> It wasn't like that. It was it was more of like you have to find your passion. So I became passionate of making people feel good. Like I'm really good at making people laugh. Um, I've been told several times that I'm really good at making people feel comfortable as if they've known me for a very long time. Like those are certain aspects of a nurse that you need. Like it's not always knowledge-based. You have to have certain aspects of a nurse to accomplish like the golden nursing statue, you know, like the golden award for a nurse. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's more to it. So that's kind of my reason for why I kind of pursued nursing, You know, they just inspired me so much. You know, I wish I knew those nurses and and even doctors. I say nurses. It was also the doctors, too, because, you know, they joked around with me and I never saw a frown in my room. You know, like, I don't know if any of y'all have or you've been in uh, Texas Children, but they have like a freaking arcade room for the kids (laughs) and it's like amazing yeah like they for sure want the kids to stay in a certain mental state because that's also important like if your mental is not there you're gonna have a harder recovery process you know your body responds Mm. as a whole regardless of how some people may neglect mental health it's very important guys like it's very important
0: Oh man, I oh, yeah. love that story. <laughs> it's just like I, I love how I think there's something so powerful about hope. Like and other mm-hmm. people giving access for you to have that hope. Like I, I liked how you said that nobody discriminated against you based off of your prognosis. I think that's yeah. that's really interesting because when other people know when when the patient knows that you haven't given up on them then they won't give up on themselves either.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: And especially exactly. Like how how that not only helped you with your healing, with your well being, it's like carried you through this whole career. Like I, I just love the trajectory of this little aspect of how much they how much they I don't want to say believed in you, but you know how how much they genuinely cared for you and how that whole experience affected your healing acutely in the setting of the eye injury but then also in your whole personality like Mm -hmm. in your whole childhood development nine years old is really young and so like you just became someone who I I think that's really awesome like like the way you said that you just want to be someone who people are comfortable to talk to which I, I think is like a really awesome quality to have and something to that I, I strive for. And, um, and then even then in your adult life, it's like helped you evaluate why you're in the nursing field. It's like propelled you through this, this education as well. So just like one incident of someone else's emotions have such a deep, deep impact on, um, Mm -hmm. on on your growth. And I, I think that's, that's, that's like really impactful. Um, I definitely love Texas children's, um, and those arcade rooms are so cool. They don't let me play. The yes, yeah, they're so no cool. Students. Like,
1: <laughs> maybe, like, we're a little bit older. So, I mean, I don't know what games they have now. But <laughs> back in the day, they had this big old Mario Kart, like, arcade-themed room. And I was just, I stayed in there. Like, they literally had to drag me to my, my room because That's Mario so Kart was my passion and, uh, yeah, that, I want to say Mario <laughs> is my healer. That's what healed me. Cause... Mario
0: Kart, I 100% mm. uh, believe and agree that Mario Kart <laughs> will cure any kind of illness or disease that Any have.
1: kind of illness. Kind. Like, <laughs> no, it was just, it was a great time. I really, I really uh, enjoyed myself. Like, <laughs> it, it was, a, it was, a, it was a time I will never forget. I can say that. I can I can say that.
0: <laughs> um I love the Mario Kart plug. Like we need that in this podcast 100%. But um okay. Yes. I do. Now that I've heard a little bit about your story, I kind of wanted to transition to the healthcare aspect, the healthcare disparities. And so you've obviously you have like dropped pearls of wisdom one after the <laughs> other throughout this little mm-hmm. episode. Um, and you've talked about your own story, which has been really touching and 100% inspiring um, and something to really reflect on. But I just want to ask you, because this podcast is about um, healthcare disparities in the medical field, I just wanted to see if you could talk about um, your own experiences with witnessing healthcare disparities.
1: Um, so my own experience, hmm, what can I say? I can say oh, I hope my my um headphones might die. Oh that's okay. Okay. Hope hopefully I can get <laughs> what I say out before it does. But um you're fine. <laughs> my I would say for healthcare disparities, I'll talk about my own experience. Cause uh, girl no one would know but I'm a sickly child okay (laughs) like um so I also have uh, a condition very common condition um, psoriasis and it for sure affects me mainly on my um can you still hear me Uh uh-huh yeah okay sorry my my thing is blinking red okay
0: well if you want you can just use your microphone um your, your iPhone microphone.
1: Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can disconnect. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you just okay. fine. Great, great. Let me start over. So some health disparities for me uh, would be my psoriasis. It affects the health area. Not so much like my general body, and as a African American woman, I have different a different hair texture than the, I guess majority of people in the world um, outside of my race, obviously um, and when I was going through like the diagnosis and getting medications or whatnot, um, they kind of just gave me. The right medications, but not so much like the right method for me, that kind of fit me, right? And I would say a disparity in the healthcare uh, profession is having treatments individualized, right? Hmm. We're all different, regardless if we're in the same race or a different race. Treatments need to be individualized so it can, um, I guess, better affect the person, their recovery process, or if it's something chronic, help them alle- alleviate some of these symptoms. You know, a lot of the stuff is, and that's unfortunate. I understand why, but a lot of the stuff in the healthcare field is kind of geared to like the general population or a majority of people. Um, have this condition and this is what works for the you know the majority Mm -hmm. and so people like myself even though psoriasis is usually very common in african-american communities it's just not as common on your scalp right Mm -hmm. so um that's kind of That kind of hindered me because I feel like it kind of pushed me through a black hole. Like nobody has gone here. We don't know what to do. So we're just going to give you the general method. And the general method was for me to wash my hair with this um, certain medication three times a week. So one thing in the African community we value our hair. Our hair is precious to us. We consider our hair our crowns. Mm-hmm. And one, one, um, I guess, hygienic thing we do or self-care uh, technique we do for our hair, we don't wash our hair, like, multiple times in the week. And that's because we need the oils. Like, our hair functions, be, will function very differently than, like, you know, I would say Caucasian race or, mm-hmm. you know, the Latino race, like we have to preserve the oils and minerals that our hair produces. That helps our hair grow, um, you know, thrive, full, mm-hmm. thick, whatever the case may be. So washing my hair with this very harsh medication started to actually cause me to bald. Oh man! Instead of, yeah, instead of it, you know, helping or affecting me like the general population, it kind of made my symptoms worse.
0: And like, and what were your initial symptoms?
1: So my initial symptoms were like a uh, thick, thickened skin on my scalp to the point where the uh my skin underneath the scabs would be so like. I would say fragile and delicate. If I would scratch my the scalps off, I would bleed.
0: Oh man.
1: Yeah. And it kind of affected my entire scalp to the point it started to actually um migrate towards my forehead out of my scalp. So now it's noticeable because it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm balding, obviously you'll see it. It started to affect like my social life, you know, dating life, like everything, eating at my confidence. So, um, I would say, I would say when, when it comes as a nurse, a doctor, pharmacist, whatever the case may be, you have to explore the person's lifestyle, who they are as an individual, not just a patient with psoriasis, because like I said, I want to say a million and five times throughout this episode, like, <laughs> everybody's different. Everybody needs something a little bit more. That's one disparity that people don't really, or our medical professions, professionals kind of, you know, we see a whole bunch of people every day. And some people, Or And I'm even guilty of it Like I'll see so many patients Sometimes I'll feel a little bit Fatigued and I don't want to go That extra mile to make sure That person gets what they need That's you know Specific to them But like I said when you have those Little burnouts you have to tell yourself Like why am I doing this Am I passionate Mm -hmm. about it So people can get the correct treatment I would say another Health disparity would be like um, education. The way we educate patients, right? Um, we might give them medication, send them with send them with uh, instructions, mm-hmm. and like, hey, yeah, you have instructions. You should be great. Like, no, we need to evaluate how likely are you to read these instructions? Can you read? Do you understand the terminology on this paper? Because like I said, some, us as medical professionals, we get so caught up in routine. We don't realize that the, the lingo that we use, it's not everyday lingo. It's not Mm. everyday lingo. So you'll just be throwing all these words out and nobody wants to feel stupid or admit that they don't know what the heck's going on. So, um. We just have to do, I'm going to say, do a little little bit better of educating um, what will reach, you know, how can we reach the audience we want to reach or the people who really need to hear and um, take take, um, this opportunity and get access to this type of education or anything, honestly. But that's my take on it from my perspective, because I come from a community where all we do is work. It's like work, work, work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we neglect like ourselves because we want to stay afloat. We want to provide for our families. And sometimes our own health kind of gets put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when that happens, and then also I come from a family where if if they're not dying, they will not go to the doctor. And (laughs) and we kind of, me personally, I'm trying my best as a medical professional to kind of break that cycle, at least in my community. If I see it in other people's community, I'll for sure go um, help them also. But I for sure see that like bad habit in my community. And, you know, it's preventable. And I'm trying my best as a community leader to try to get out there and see what needs to be done. Like, how can I reach y'all from working all these nine to fives, five days a week, whatever the case may be? How can I reach y'all so y'all care about y'all's health? Because that's very Mm. important. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't give someone else something that you don't have. You know, you can't give some time, somebody else's, somebody else, your time, you know, if you're not healthy, because then you'll yeah. be to use of no one, like no one can utilize you that way. So that's, that's what I see, I guess, in the health disparities um, is really education. Education, I would say is really big Individualizing treatment and realizing that everybody is not the same everything won't work for people like you actually have to know not like oh you're my bestie I know everything about you like really (laughs) ask them questions yeah like you know how are you are you going to stick to this plan like what's realistic are you really going to stick to this plan you know what are your concerns like for me like I was not asked do you wash your hair every day? You know, like mm-hmm. if you don't know about someone's religion, somebody's culture, ask questions. Like, I feel like also in the medical field, everybody wants to be a smarty pants. Like, you yes. don't know everything. You don't know everything. You know, I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many classes that you've, you've taken, what grades you got in those classes. You do not know everything. And you. It, I would say for the people that's in the profession or come to the profession, we need to be more comfortable of asking questions. If it makes you, you know what I'm saying? Like earlier yeah. I told you, you have to be able to be uncomfortable to make your patient feel comfortable. You know, if you mm-hmm. absolutely don't know, ask questions. Like no one asked me do you wash your hair every day or you know um, you know the side effects are usually this but if you have more side effects like come and call me tell me what happens like they didn't tell me um, you know for you this may be not this may not be normal for you Mm -hmm. but this may be normal for someone else like For, I would say, for the African-American females, of course we have, like, hair shedding. But, you know, I would say for other races that I know of, you know, they'll brush their hair and then they'll have all this, you know, they'll have hair coming out. So, you know, a little bit of hair loss may be normal to them, but it's not super normal for me to be washing Mm -hmm. my hair and it's coming out, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so I, I would say for that like just getting to know somebody if you just don't know about a certain religion or culture ask questions it's, it's the education on both parts of the professional and the patient
0: I really love all the points that you had to say and I'm so glad that you summarized them um, really well because I think one of the big things is like uh, even for all of your points on how to improve fr- these healthcare disparities, they're all very much interconnected. For example, yes. like the individualization of the patient goes hand in hand with asking questions. And the more that you give yourself to the patient, the more you're at risk for burnout. But if you're at risk for burnout, focus on your own health, you know, take yes. care of yourself. And so I just really appreciate kind of all these um, thoughts, especially. Thank you so much, um, Nicole, for sharing your own personal experiences, um, in particular your own um, conditions and your experiences and trials with the medical field, but those <laughs> triumphs. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on this podcast today. Um, it has been so wonderful having you. Um, do you have no, thank any you closing for thoughts? Me.
1: You say any thoughts
0: closing thoughts i would just say like you know be
1: true to yourself um and do what you're passionate about not what people are telling you to do or what you think is best do what you're passionate about and if you do that you you'll be great you'll be good for the rest of your life